welcome to the Film Rescue Show. I am your... Oh, man, I had a new title and I just forgot it. Anyways, uh-huh. I'm your pitch... I'm your pitch master general. We'll just keep going with that one. Uh, I'm Seth. I'm here with our host, Jesse. I'm here. And we have returning guest of many episodes, Nick Wolf is here. Hey, Sony Pictures. <laughs> I'm going to put some spunk in your eye. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, we are we are here to kind of do a little catch up on, what did you call it? The SSU? All right. So it was originally the Sony Pictures. SP the Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel characters, aka Spunk, <laughs> which they've now rebranded as the SSU, the Sony Spider-Man Universe. And before the show, I said they should call it the SSV, Sony Spider-Verse. It's less clunky, less clunky. Rolls right off so the tongue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, what are they? Do? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> This is going to be a good one. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, is this so, is this the most pathetic attempts to build an entire universe around one character? Around one character. I'm glad I glad you specified because I was going to say the dark universe. I think was the the most pathetic attempt at a universe. Yes, we've that's seen the most so pathetic. But, but this is around like, just one guy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, three movies versus the dark universe is one. I say Sony is winning in that race. That's no. true. Well, I mean, fum- of, fumbling well, down the track. Well, of those three movies, I mean, you've got uh, Amazing Spider-Man One, Amazing Spider-Man Two, and Into the Spider-Verse. Um, only one of these three is actually pretty good. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 uh, apparently, this new Spider-Verse movie is going to be crossing over everything into it. I guess they're making everything canonically a multiverse. Mm-hmm. It's the new right. hot trend. <laughs> sure. I mean, it does solve a lot of problems, I guess. I, I won't begrudge them. Um, so back in season two, uh, we had Nando V movies on. And, and within the episode, uh, in an attempt to get clicks, we decided to call the episode, we deleted Batman V Superman from the DCEU. Until um, I fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jesse came back through and fixed it. Um, I did what you so- couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> And so, and so, uh, we thought we'd do that again. Um, I, I, Nick, I'm going to let you introduce what we're deleting right. today. We are deleting Morbius from the S. No, we're deleting Morbius from the Spunk, <laughs> and we're replacing it with the Amazing Spider-Man Three. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm stoked, and and the Amazing Spider-Man three is canonically going to have its No Way Home jumping off point. Ah, I, really? I'm I'm hoping. I'm hoping if we if we could find a way to tie it in like that, I would be uh, very happy. So there, I did make a note in my pitch where it's like, here's where it's happened. If this is happening before No Way Home or after No Way Home, D- that's even better. Uh, Nick's done all the groundwork. This mm-hmm. is going to be great. Um, I did so much groundwork for this pitch today. <laughs> so, so to start things off, um, I have a question: How the fuck did we get here? We have three Raimi Spider Mans, two Amazing Spider Man movies, two Venom movies, and a Morbius movie. Uh, Into the Spider Verse may now be canon after the sequel comes out. What? Uh, don't forget, Craven the Hunter is in development, and also uh, Madam Web. Madam Web. I refuse to believe those are real movies until and we El see Muerto footage with Bad Bunny. 
I refuse to believe any of these are real movies until I see footage. <laughs> Once this again, is, I would like to reiterate, this is the most pathetic attempts to wrap an entire universe around one character. Well, I should, the reason let me I, clarify, one brand. Right. <laughs> the reason I say that is because I remember the the Sinister Six movie and all the the things that were happening with that, and then we got two Venoms and a Morbius. So, like... <laughs> Again, what the fuck is happening here, guys? Like, where's the quality? What is going on? Uh, it's the most expensive game of hot potato I've ever seen in yeah. a movie studio. And it's, it's like, if you'll all recall from when we talked about Pan, I love a good train wreck. Right. <laughs> no, I don't recall much of that pitch, but thank you. <laughs> The, the reason I want to start here is because I, I, I want all of us to kind of be able to go over our feelings about these movies so far, and then we'll we'll tie in a little bit with No Way Home, because um, Jesse and I watched an extended version for this that we are hard-pressed to figure out what was added. Um, yeah, it's, it's it, called Extended I, Cut. I don't even know what was added. <laughs> it's an odd situation. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, Jesse, of this grouping, and we won't count Raimi's for this, to just just out of the sake of continuity. Although fucking No Way Home does kind of throw that out too, doesn't it? Yeah. Where does <laughs> yeah. the where does the MCU's Homeward Bound trilogy fall in under this? Oh yeah, yeah. Just Marvel. Let, let's let's keep let's keep the Raimi and MCU stuff for part for the next section. I just I want to do the Sony specific right now. Uh Jesse, what is the best quality of these movies? What if if you're if you're gonna get stuck on a on an island with one of the Sony verse films, which one is it gonna be? Oh god damn it! This is my, this is one of those put a gun to my head situations because uh, I don't like either of the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Uh, if I had to pick one, it'd be one, the first one. Um, okay, yeah, no, that one's solid. I I, I think that one's the most like. Blockbuster forward. This is a badass attempt at Spider-Man. Anyways, yeah, it's a, it, they tried to do the dark shit, which it, it clearly influenced from the Snyder stuff. Very much influenced by that because hey, it's dark, it's gritty, it's realistic. That's what the kids want, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> no shine, no sheen. No, no. Amazing Spider-Man Two is one of the most painful cinematic experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, <laughs> Remember all the product placement in that movie? Wasn't that obnoxious? <laughs> there, uh, that movie certainly movied. Was, I, it, was it, it as much product placement as Man of Steel? Ooh. Oh, no, I would say it's more than Man of Steel because they also had a, uh, a clip from oh. uh, X-Men Days of Future Past in the end credits, something that's completely right. not even connected to that universe. They sold ad what? space inside their movie for another studio's movie. What? You didn't know this? Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. I feel like you I didn't saw know a video that? on that. Like, like you're telling me if a child was sitting in a theater, they watched a Spider-Man movie, and then they watched a clip of X-Men and were led to believe that these things were related to each other is what you're telling me. Is it a thing that happened in our world? Yes, this is literally a thing that happened. That's not... Uh, what? <laughs> Look it up, dude. Is that... It just reminds me of how apparently Hugh Jackman was all set to film a cameo for the montage of the first uh, Raimi Spider-Man movie where there's like, oh, there's a spider guy in New York. What do you think? But they couldn't find his X-Men costume. Oh, no. See, okay, that I get because there's also precedent for that in a bunch of old Spider-Man video games where Wolverine just like shows up because he's a character that can, I guess. But I I don't know. 
that feels like a Mandela effect to me. <laughs> the, oh my god! They literally That's sold so ad weird. space. They, I just, Why was that? I, a- I just posted this in the uh, the chat. Is li- they literally sold ad space in the tra- in the um, for the uh, one of the scenes in X Men: Days of Future Past at the credits of uh, Amazing Spider Man Two. They spent so much money on the movie they needed to recoup their money somehow. It's one of the most and, expensive and, movies ever made. And wasn't th- one of the plot points of Amazing Spider-Man 2 that like his dad was involved with some kind of weird like background conspiracy and then if they're showing they were, you like Yeah, he and his mother were like secret agents or something like that and it was some <sighs> weird There was a deleted scene where his father actually survived and came back. I don't know why yeah. they cut that out. <laughs> like that would have made Because all... it was awful. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean just they really Peter were Parker's trying Baron. to make it. They were really trying to make this like a new and invented, inventive universe. Like there was an Aunt May movie that was in development for a while. That's made up again. There's so many made up movies that just are in orbit around I, this series. I, I wish I was making this shit up, dude. This is how. Yeah, this they, is what I said. This is the most desperate attempt to wrap a franchise around one brand. Yeah, they were going to make a Silver Sable Black Cat movie, which if they made it like, uh, let's say, Lupin the Third, that would have been fine. But nope, we scrapped it. Wow. Um, what? So I, w- I was going to answer this question with Venom 2, because at least it would be a fun movie to be watching while on a desert island. But I might have to switch my answer to Amazing Spider-Man 2 just so I could have one scene from an even better superhero movie to watch while stuck on that island. It's not uh-huh. on the Blu-ray or DVD. Oh, fuck. Oh, they deleted it? Oh, good. Yeah, good. I know. I still have my movies from when they came out. I still got my original Amazing Spider-Man DVD with the uh, with the badly implemented yellow text on black boxes subtitles for that movie. <laughs> I, I, as a colorblind person, I do appreciate the attempt, but not not good. <laughs> not good. Damn, that's funny. Oh, wow. All right, well, Nick, what's yours? Of this grouping, what are you taking to the desert island? Oh, what am I, what, that is a... If, no fan edits, no commentaries to ease the pain. <laughs> this, is, this is such a Nick answer. <laughs> I don't like either of the Amazing Spider-Man movies as is. Right. Venom the first two, one's more I... cohesive, though. Okay, uh, let, let me change. Let me change the parameters mm-hmm. for Nick. Then you are given a th- uh, theatrical cut on a, like a Google Chromecast that has ed- editing technology on it, so you could make your own edit if you wanted to. Uh, okay, then I'm going to take Venom. I'm going to take the first Venom movie and do my own vocal performance as Venom <laughs> to Deadpool that first movie. My god. <laughs> That's okay, all right. I I would like to see Nick's Desert Island cut. I'm not going to lie. I would I would check it out just just for the sake of the art. <laughs> I mean, it can't be worse than the movie was, right? By uh, any I, mean? I, don't, I don't know. That three-way kiss between uh Eddie Brock and I want to say and yeah. and Venom is uh, it, it, I, I'd say it's not quite Tobey Maguire, Kristen Dunst kissing in the rain, but it's of a similar caliber. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll give you that one. Um, so, so can we can we land on like many of the? I mean, many of these movies has have ended up on Film Rescue. We, we, For we good have a reason. Whole, 
Yeah, we have a whole archive. Um, the, what I, I'm trying to keep this as film rescuable as I can, but we're kind of we're doing a Herculean effort with a franchise, and so I'm trying to use this as the transition into the Raimi Homecoming stuff. But from this Spider, fr- from this like Sony line, is there anything that they've kind of stapled into it as a franchise that's worth keeping? Like the Andrew their, Garfield, he's fine. Okay, there we go. That's Tom that's a great answer. Yeah, Tom Hardy. Yeah, very. Yeah, so their yeah, castings yeah. are not bad. Yeah, like yeah. I saw a there's a YouTuber, Full Fat Videos, who did a pitch for Venom Three, which I don't want to go into too much, but it does include like Tom Hardy and Garfield crossing over. And that's it's cool. Like, it's like very interesting, and the name of the video is Venom Three. Tom Hardy must face off against Topher Grace. No, seriously. <laughs> like, I'd, I'd watch it. Uh, I mean, Topher Grace's character does have the power to just locate people. So yeah. it, it could happen. Yeah, he's connected by an infinite symbiote mass that spans infinity or whatever was the post credit scene for Venom 2. Sure. What, whatever bullshit that I did with that, with that movie. Sure, right. I, I barely remember Venom 2. So, so we keep casting. I'm down for that. Um, is there is there any like artistic flourishes that they added to any of this that's worth keeping around? Like I I think about like Amazing Spider-Man one and two really tried to push what web swinging web swinging looked like, but they made oh, a really yeah. great argument for a POV Spider-Man game. Is really all they did in my opinion. Mirror's Edge. Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh I, yeah, the nausea machine. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, actually, I think that was the tie-in game for Amazing Spider-Man One because I feel like all the cutscenes take place from Peter's first person. That sounds right. That does I'm, sound right. I mean, I could see some first-person stuff, sure, but I don't know if I want to go through it as much as that because there is I did when I was rewatching See, No Way Home last night there is one shot I think it's in the beginning when Peter picks up MJ and they swing away the way the camera kind of focuses in on them as they're swinging it feels a bit like a POV shot but it's still from an exterior point of view where you're seeing them swinging it does feel like they're oh, actually yeah, that, swinging to the, the helmet lock shot I know yeah, exactly the helmet what you're lock shot. yeah, it's, yeah it's, those yeah. do look cool yeah yeah Which, yeah my only argument for a POV Spider-Man game is Dying Light. Like that game makes being ambulatory very easy and like uh, functional on a controller. And if you had, because you you have web swinging in it, essentially you have a grappling hook that you can swing on. And so every it, game has a grappling hook now, <laughs> right? Exactly. So like I I feel like it's a again I think Mark Webb made a great argument for why Spider-Man could be a POV game. I don't think he made web swinging anywhere near as great as like Sam Raimi did. Like if we're, if we're taking artistic flourishes, I'd take Raimi's web swinging over Mark Webb's. What's really funny about Mark Webb swinging, having Spider-Man swing in actual New York, like from apparently from what I heard, they actually filmed most of the first amazing Spider-Man movie in New York. Yeah. And the Raimi movies didn't. Is that the Raimi movies uh, kind of feel more New York-y? If yeah. That makes sense. Well, they make New York a character like, with the on the street interviews is New York in that in that context. And then when those people are all on the bridge later for the bridge scene, it has pulled the movie together into what a New York borough feels like. And and just Mark Webb was so uninterested in doing anything like that with New York. He was like, it's a backdrop to look cool on, which I, I admit it does look really fucking cool. But if most of your movie feels like Vancouver, 
uh, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Like even even the new stuff, John Watts movies feel more New Yorky to me. Yeah, the first swinging around in Brooklyn, no, not Brooklyn, Queens mm-hmm. in Homecoming. Well, not as grandiose. It feels lived in at the very least. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stopping it and talking to different people in his neighborhood. He was literally a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Well, we're biting at the chop to get to the good Spider-Man <laughs> stuff. I know, I can tell. There's, but... the, the problem is, like, there's so much stuff that's shoved in to the Amazing Spider-Man movies, but there's no yeah. real sub. There's no substance to them. Right, like, like, why is Rhino in Amazing Spider-Man two? Because he's there for the opening and he's there for the ending. But if you excise him from the movie entirely, nothing changes. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it's a, it's just a bunch of stuff. It's, it's that and then storytelling, which is the worst kind. Well, and, I think oh, it, let's not forget those two were those two movies were written by uh, uh, Orsi and Kurtzman. Kurtzman, the second one, Kurtzman. only the second one. Oh, he didn't do the first one. Oh, well, that's no. why it wasn't a, a complete jumbled mess. But it's still not good. Uh, but yeah, that second one is like the, the tropes that they always have for that. Those two writers use the same tropes every time. Themes of destiny. Every movie they have, mm. they've done is, is using that magic blood. They've done that like four times. Yeah. Uh, the heroes face off in some random uh, popular monument location. Uh, it's it, it, the general plot makes no sense. I uh, just. Yeah, it's like it's disjointed scenes of coolness. Yeah, like that. But that, the, that's the, what it feels like. The aim is is like, oh, you don't need a plot; you just need scenes of cool Spider-Man stuff. And, and also, like, all that stuff is ripped off from other better movies. It's that it's that. <laughs> oh well, this worked in this movie. Let's just transplant it over here. Uh, you can get away with that one or two times in an homage, but if you're just lifting shit wholesale, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> is, Try is the, harder. Is there a, an egregious like uh, uh, example you can give from that? Uh, what uh, in terms of stuff that's, that's directly lifted? Yeah, yeah. Like, what, what is Spider-Man or Amazing Spider-Man Two lifting? Oh, uh, I mean, uh, we're um, what's his what's what's Peter Parker's best friend's name? Harry. Uh, he needs yeah. Spider-Man's blood in order to uh, live longer or cure the blood disease in his body. Uh, yeah. that's directly lifted from Star Trek Into Darkness where Khan's blood is literally oh, yeah. used to resurrect Kirk. <laughs> okay. All right. Eat yeah, yeah, yeah. shit, Kurtzman. <laughs> I, I, I have to grind at my job and I'm barely making ends meet. That motherfucker makes millions a year. You can fucking eat my ass. <laughs> that Yeah, that's some egregious recycling. Um, I, 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 I can definitely see that. Well, Nick, you... You watched a bunch of Mark Webb's movies for yeah. this too. Yeah. No you insane Spider-Man. person. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what is the uh, what is what is the lesson you've grabbed from Mark Webb uh, when you compare his work in other films to his like Spider Man work and then all of it together? Yeah. So, in preparation for today, I watched Mark Webb's three other movies, and apparently Disney wants him to direct his direct their Snow White reboot, which. Oh, stop! They, they need a they need a body to say action. You know what I mean? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So I watched I watched uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer years after buying the DVD and not doing anything with it. <laughs> um, gifted with Chris Evans and I believe Sam McKenna, like Egon's granddaughter from the new Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> and, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And my most favorite. 
title, probably my most favorite watch of all of these movies, The Only Living Boy in New York. <laughs> oh, God. Uh. Please, please, please tell us what the main character's name is. Um, so, first off, I think the... I think in 500 Days of Summer, like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's name is Tom. And then the only living boy in New York, I believe the main character in that movie is named Tom Webb. So Mark Webb yeah. made a movie about Tom Webb, and he's the only real boy in New York City. <laughs> Fuck Mark Webb. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. I could spit. <laughs> Oh, it's so cute, uh, I could shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so what's the lesson here? What is, what what is the is, takeaway? What is he as a director? What is the lesson here? Um, um, uh, sell out like money action. <laughs> what is the lesson, geez? Uh, well, while, while I'm thinking of the lesson... Uh, Seth, you want to read the plot synopsis for The Only Living Boy in New York? Oh, my God. I I would honestly rather throw up. But uh, Okay, so I, I stopped reading. Before we aired, I was reading this with uh, with Nick, and I stopped reading in the first sentence because... When it, I think of, like, last living person in anywhere, I think of, like, either I Am Legend or I think of... Uh, what was that show? Uh, the Last Man on Earth that was on... Why uh, The Last Man? No, no, The Last Man on Earth. It was a comedy show with... Um, yeah, what's, oh, yeah. What's that guy's name? What's that guy's... Oh, uh, MacGruber. MacGruber. <laughs> MacGruber. God damn it. Uh, Will yeah. Forte. Will Forte. Will Forte, yeah. I, I think of those two... Uh, I think of those two ends of the spectrum. Where does this one fall into the spectrum? Uh, Thomas Webb is a recent college dropout trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. He has a one-sided. He has a one-sided crush on his friend Mimi. Yeah, uh, so uh, plot synopsis, this looks like a very like kitschy rom-com to me. Uh, his his crush admits feelings for him about halfway through. Uh, looks like somebody else gets married and there's drama around that. Uh, there's a business guy that gets confronted. Is this just Are like you going to skip over the part where he wants to have sex with his dad's mistress? I did miss that part. <laughs> I've already I, seen I, The Graduate. It's a good movie. Damn. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, not my, not my bag. But I, I have. I've not I, seen I, it. I'm not going to review I, it. Not I my bag. I don't want to spoil the third act twist of this movie. But listeners, this movie is free on Amazon Prime, and it's less than ninety minutes. If you got time to kill, give it a shot. Oh no. I'm good. My time's more valuable. That is my that is my hearty recommendation of nope. the only living boy in New York. Nope. Not even with a gun to my head. <laughs> uh, that's a th that's a thing I can say about Mark Webb is that he can he shoots his movies and like he carries them with a very good sheen to them. Like it's very watchable, even if like you watch Five Hundred Days of Summer and think to yourself, "Wow, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in this movie is kind of a psychopath with very rigid views on romance. You know, it's funny because like, and and I get the hate on on Scott Pilgrim as a character, but in general, I like that movie better. And I've always said like, at least Scott Pilgrim isn't the dude from Five Hundred Days of Summer. Yeah, you feel like Scott <laughs> yeah. Pilgrim learned his lesson, whereas in as like 
the end of 500 Days of Summer is like, oh, you didn't get the girl, and but turns out that your worldview is correct, just not with her, and we'll give you a similarly seasonally named lady to chase at the end of this movie. Right. Maybe that'll get so- Oh, Maybe that'll be better for you. So Mark you know Webb's uh, stand-ins uh, don't have to learn lessons? That's fucking amazing, isn't it? Maybe that's uh, why uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt went off and made that movie, uh, was it Don John, afterwards? Dude, Don and John is so fucking good. That's a really good movie, yeah. and it's basically the same thing as 500 Days of Summer, except minus the creepiness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to be fair, to be fair. Go watch to be fair. Fair. To be, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair. Go watch Don in, John. It's really good. Yeah. To be, to be fair, and gifted, uh, Chris Evans didn't have to learn a lesson, but he's Chris Evans. He doesn't need to learn a lesson. Of course, his gifted daughter needs to be a child, too, and not just a robot solving math equations. Oh, my God. That sounds like exactly what I guessed the plot was going to be, too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's here's what I'm gathering. Sony brought in Mark Webb to give a human touch to what they think is this inhuman, superhuman character. I don't think Sony knows how to handle Spider-Man is, is my big lesson here. I don't think they understand what it is that they have. And and so, like, Mark Webb was not a great choice. Um, let's use this as our segue into what has turned out to be overall a better choice. I don't know if the best choice yet, but John Watts got his hands on a trilogy too. Uh, same Desert Island question. Which one are you guys taking and why? No edits for you this time. Oh, No Way Home. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. I I didn't want to answer for everybody, but like... Aside from going back to the movies that worked, I feel like there's a lot more flourish. There's a lot more directorial flourish in that movie, like the spider sense scene in the apartment where Peter is... There's a killer among us, and I just need to figure out who it is and yeah. then the hallway fight with uh green goblin oh yeah it is yeah. i mean the movie does kind of cheat because you introduce the other two spider-mans into this movie to kind of carry the weight <laughs> you know I, I and and i i definitely understand seeing that as a cheat i'm also the thing that i always forget when talking about this movie is it's a covid movie and it doesn't really stand out until the other spider-men get pulled in and these like flat tiny little set scenes that everything's set in from then on it's like wow you actually pulled off a covid movie to the point that i didn't mm-hmm. i don't remember it as one until i'm literally watching the movie oh there's also the and where Peter and Happy are at Aunt May's grave, and they're oh, yeah. very clearly shot on green screen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah the, it's it's those it's those little things that like I, I get the cheat there, Jesse, but I, I think I forgive it for COVID. Like if if well, the, it should have been able to stand on its own without them, a hundred percent. Also, the, had it not been a COVID movie. Also, the Batman is a COVID movie. Um, yeah. So so uh, John Watts takes over. John Watts has Spider-Man. We we get this kind of little gem in No Way Home. Hey, everybody, everything's going to be okay. Papa Toby came back and, <laughs> you know, Andrew Garfield's here and he's not dead. And, like, I just, I I love the the that movie's approach to, like, just those three and how they communicate with each other as metaphors for the greater conversations around themselves in the real world. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to get too into it because I'm probably going to talk about it on uh, another pass on certain POV when they talk about No Way Home. But with people saying like, oh, why didn't we get these two earlier? The way I would do it is that I would just have 
uh, Toby and Andrew like trapped in like their own little pocket universe trying to make their way to uh, regular Peter and as a kind of waiting for Godot two-man play between the two to see <laughs> them bounce off of each other. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, so so uh, and then and then we have the the Raimi Spider Man worth touching it on um, because that is also getting tied in here with this mm-hmm. with this trio. Um, same No Way sa- Home basically made them the first MCU movies. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, kind of retroactively, and and what a great villain to start the MCU on with. I remember tech- pitching that years ago, like make the um, Raimi MCU ma- Raimi movies MCU material. Let's just say like, oh yeah, it happened. Just yeah, you know. I watched, I rewatched. Uh, the first Spider-Man movie around Thanksgiving because it's a Thanksgiving movie. That's correct. And I always thought yeah. that I always thought when uh, Harry, not Harry, Norman is testing the procedure on himself. I thought, is he doing the Super Soldier Serum? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Like it, it, it all, it all traces. Uh, and and I would even argue some of those Netflix shows. Uh, certain episodes feel like Raimi's New York. In I, I think especially yeah. uh, the casting for uh, Kingpin within the MCU has been straight. That like, he would have just made sense in in Toby's universe, at, at just as well as he does in the MCU. I think he's just a perfect uh, casting like that. Mm-hmm. Like it's a shame Michael Clark Duncan has passed away because I would have loved to see him also interact with. One of the many Spider Men we've got. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He was one of the. He was one of the few good points of that awful Daredevil movie. Oh God. <laughs> no, we'll do, we'll never put it on Film Rescue because it's like you'd have to throw out like ninety nine percent of the movie. Just keep Michael Clark Duncan around. Well, and and because the the answer is Netflix did it by adapting Frank Miller's stuff in the first Daredevil season. That's yeah. Like that, they, you got it. You won. You yeah. got it as a series. Yeah. They film uh, rescued their own movies, so yeah, exactly. we don't have to do it. I, I, I have seen, uh, like, I'm not the biggest fan of Daredevil season one. I feel like it's, it plots a little in the later half of it. Yeah, but I've seen a uh, every one of those MCU Netflix shows did the same thing because they were 13 yeah. episodes. Too they long. Just been, yeah. They could have been just six to eight. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but if you know where to look, there's a fan edit of Daredevil season one. Cuts the whole thing down to like two and a half hours. Oh fuck, that sounds hot. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's <laughs> sleek. Oh. <laughs> Wow, I kind of want to watch that because it seems like it'd be a better option than sitting through like all of that stuff. Yeah, no, I always appreciate when people when people do that. Um, did the same the thing Netflix for th- did the same thing for Iron Fist, which is impressive, <laughs> but it's still Iron Fist season yeah, one. Th- yeah, <laughs> there's not a lot to. I mean, they didn't even do the dragon. Oh, fuck, Iron Fist was such a fucking mess. Anyway, I think Iron <laughs> Fist is the only one that's not coming back to the new Daredevil show. All the other characters are supposed to be returning. Do Punisher, I, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones. They're all coming back. The only one that's not coming back is Iron Fist, because who the fuck cares? <laughs> I'm hoping they recast. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, get, please, just get, recast. Get, get an East Asian actor to play Iron Fist. Like, get, was it, what, Ludi Lin, who was, like, the drunken guy? Yeah. Like, bring him as Iron Fist. Well, because he, he, had, he had auditioned for Daredevil first, and then <laughs> that's how he got that role. And yeah. Uh, yeah, he would have been a badass. Marvel, bring in Liu Kang to be your Iron Fist. Or sorry, <laughs> I said Daredevil. He he auditioned for Iron Fist and then got that mm. villain role in Iron Fist because of his audition. Right. That's what I was. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, no, yeah, and then re- cross recast. him over with Shang Chi at some point. Perfect. Damn. Ah. Uh, the shit's the shit could really like we could get like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon MCU type film. 
I would love that kind of style for an right? MCU movie because I, uh, the problem with Shang Chi at the end is just a giant CGI Bukaki fest. I just wanted martial arts, guys. <laughs> yeah, just do a martial arts movie and bring in like deep cut characters facing off a- against each other. I was the shocked. Mouth breathers want to see all the CGI. I, well, they they had to set up that realm more than anything. That's why the third act of that movie is that way because the movie itself takes you to a tournament. The movie wanted to be a tournament movie. The plot is screaming for it, and then it has to break away from that to open up the rest of that world, especially for early Phase Four building. So, like, that's where you can really see the like duct tape and WD forty on some of these movies where you, it's like, oh, this was definitely going to be a tournament fighting movie initially. And then they said, yeah, but could the fight actually be a war? And could the war be in this new area that we need? And then could you end with a Kamehameha blast on a dragon? And it's like, <laughs> damn, those things are kind of cool too. So I, yes, we'll do that. But you, you, you kind of see what I'm hinting at here. Like the, the real movie was the middle of the movie. In True. my opinion. Why else, why else do you bring fucking Wong and abomination in there and then like play like use it as a joke in She-Hulk it's because you're setting up a ton more shit that's what the movie could have been anyway Spider-Man Spider-Man yes uh Sam Raimi's uh trilogy um which I which I helped lend my thoughts on three for the show Y'all listen to it. Yep, that is a fantastic episode. I, I I've listened to that one. I think two or three times now. I just, oh, really? I'll, I'll go on a walk and I'll, I'll you know I have to burn like an hour and so I'll, I'll listen to like the first half and then I'll listen to the second half later and it's it's I had a really fun time on that episode. We yeah. went off the rails at different points. We like we make some great like we break the movie in half in my opinion like we bane break spider-man 3 in, <laughs> in that review in, in just because it's so obviously wants to be a different kind of movie just like i'm saying about shang chi like venom is so shoehorned in there i i but weird answer to the to the island question i would take spider-man 3 to the island whether rather than the other two because right. my my yeah. th- my thinking is, I would have more fun laughing along with it and and develop a like relationship to a weird movie. Whereas Spider Man one or two would end so happy, it would make me sad for where I am and make me miss home. Whereas Spider Man three is like, oh yeah, I bet they're out there fucking up some other superhero movie right now. <laughs> I would yeah, I would just, take a little solace in it. Yeah, just have Sandman and Venom meet in the street. So of the three for you for you two, um, where do you? I mean, I I feel like the answer is going to be oh Spider Man two for both, but I see a strong argument for Spider Man one. Uh, Jesse, which is your favorite of that trilogy? Oh, two without a doubt, two. I think the first one I like the first two thirds. The last act is where it kind of collapses a bit for me. Um, it it turns into a Power Rangers movie. Ah, uh, yeah, I can, I can, I can see that. See, that's why I would pick one, because it turns <laughs> into a Power Rangers movie at the end, and I'm all about I, that. Two has more heart in it. It has mm-hmm. more to say about the characters. It mm-hmm. has more, like the the interesting stuff isn't the Spider Man stuff. It's the Peter Parker stuff. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you. I but think still, <laughs> I think there's more comic book freeze frames in a in Spider Man Two. Like you could build a comic the train the train sequence. Probably, yeah. I would argue one of the best sequences of any of these Marvel movies. Even even like beating out like Endgame because it feels like he's really being tested 
physically yeah. to, and, and mentally to stop that train because yeah. he's like screaming to try to stop that yeah. thing. And then you watch No Way Home. I was watching this last night. He's getting hit in the head with like concrete barrels <laughs> and he's just getting up and walking away like it's nothing. Yeah. And then like later on in the movie, one of the goblin bombs goes off and he's like, oh, I think I broke my ribs. Oh, you mean you don't have a fucking concussion from getting hit by a piece of concrete? Okay. <laughs> Like it just it they make up the rules as they go along with those new John Watts movies. Whereas with the Ray movies, it feels like there's actual consequence. Like the end of the first movie, his yeah. suit is destroyed. Yeah, brings back like, destroyed barely. costumes. I saw that tweet yeah. go around recently. Why <laughs> do these guys never seem to take damage? I I want to argue it's because the MCU is uh is so like, clean and can't have blood. Well, it's it's like it's got the bumpers up. That like, and I mean, literally, that universe functionally has the bumpers up, so that when Tobey Maguire left the grounded Raimi universe, his character was infinitely more invincible in the MCU. Yeah, like he literally gets stabbed in the back. Y- yes, a, a, yes, and he just stands there like it's nothing, and then goes away. It's like he's probably gonna just bleed out by the time he gets back to his universe. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I I think the univ- the the MCU literally has bumpers up within its when it within its construction yeah, to soften good, these that's things. That's a good way to put it because yeah. I fe- I really I I've been on like people are feeling a little more cold like not completely but a little bit more wary of the MCU these days. Whereas I have been feeling the declawing of the MCU since at least Age of Ultron, and oh, occasionally yeah. there will be a movie that's really great like the Guardians movies or the first Black Panther movie yeah. or the ones that actually have a director with a vision. Yeah. Where the studio leaves them alone. Eh, more or less. Uh, I'm really trying to think of a third option because like, I'm one have of they been options. very toothless for you since then? Let, oh, let's see. Because, like, I, I I don't disagree. Like, Civil War has no stakes. I no, feel like I, I sour on that movie every year <laughs> a little bit more. It's like it's not a bad movie by any means, but it's just, like, it's so, like, a non a non sequitur. It's like, yeah. oh, what a what a weird way to, like, pit all your characters against each other, I guess. Like, I'm not super high on the other two uh, MCU Spider-Man movies, but I've warmed up to Far From Home because it's very clear to me that Peter is going through a thing where he came back to life after five years after failing to save half the universe and he probably wants to get away from being spider-man yeah i've i've warmed up a lot to homecoming but i wouldn't call it toothless if if we're chasing down your like your kind of toothless thing i've Uh, peter does the same thing at the end of that movie as he does on the ferry he just happens to have been right that time which kind of sours me on it (laughs) that's true I don't like that it's washed out. It, uh, Far from Home's a little ugly to me mm-hmm. of of the of that grouping. But yeah, okay, it seems like overly bright. Yeah, yeah. So to to sum up, Spider Man's had oh, um, technically a fan edit still, but a hero cut down. Um, what what what? I'm just gonna Captain Falcon from its six episode miniseries to like a brisk two two and a half hours also oh yeah i could totally see that mm-hmm. well that one's easy to cut down there's so much just extraneous crap in that thing <laughs> that that's where the covid does show for disney yeah that was definitely a covid show you can even just you can just see it in the way it's shot the way it's edited which sucks because that might have been out episodes that might have been the more toothy thing of this newest yeah. phase too like it and had some Loki. shit to say about racism yeah 
Like Loki, I probably would have liked more if the last episode didn't just drop the ball and just be an exposition piece to introduce uh, Kang. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's it's set up for ant-man so that's all it is i i, I kind of dug it for that i kind of liked that it that we took a, a a full episode of something in marvel to let a villain monologue and just like and eat that monologue up like that was jonathan major's like big dick moment in front of the world and it's why he's cast yeah. in everything right now because oh, people watched that and was like oh this ki- this is like his audition tape for the world yeah. okay yeah you can have the world dude yeah you can have anything you want also it's not one of my favorite but i love it when uh, sam raimi was allowed to be himself for multiverse of madness yeah his his touch does shine in moments in there I, and, and, that- and to bring us back to the topic of our episode today i do love how that movie establishes like if one person from a different universe stays in another universe for too long that universe is going to collapse right and in the post credit scene of morbius Adrian Toomes, because he refuses to forget Spider-Man, gets transplanted to the Sony-verse. So we'll see if the Sony-verse collapses in, in, in the Madam Web movie. Was that, was that a cinematic version of them casting a, a, like, a spell on Sony? Was that like a curse that they sent to, to Sony on purpose? Because, well, they did... Well, in the context of what movies came out last year, Morbius came out first, but then Doc Strange 2 establishes that rule for multiverse traveling. So right. We'll see. Yeah, this this shit was messy in the comics too. So like I'm I'm well, ex- and I'm also, also, you're also trying to bring up you're also trying to bring up Morbius. Like who the fuck cares? Well like, and it's just it's a no nothing character. Nobody gives a shit. Th- this is the Morbius is the the one we're deleting for this show. Yeah. Uh, a big reason to delete it is Jared Leto. I I don't even want to talk about his movies on on our podcast anymore. Like yeah, let's talk about he, how he's a pedophile. Let's talk about that. Yeah, like the go go look, Google uh, Jared Leto fourteen. Just Google that mm-hmm. and 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 see why we don't want to talk about this movie. Why it's worth deleting. But yeah, even like, even the movie it, itself is like. It feels like one of those made-up movies that we've been talking about for the last half hour where it's like, why did this one apparate? Like, why did this one become real? Because it is a nonsensical... I watched the first 40 minutes of it in an attempt and was like, no, I can't. I can't look at this man, act like he's successful in a film that is this dog shit. And then and then play it off like I can I, like I can I can watch it ethically. I can't. It's it's dog shit, yeah. and it's got a terrible person in it. What am I doing to myself? Yeah, I hear that. Like again, to call back briefly to YouTuber Full Fat videos, like make Matt Smith Morbius. Yeah, yeah. Like make Matt yeah. Smith make Matt Smith Morbius. He invades a temple to get these bats to splice bat DNA in him to cure him of his blood disease. And that makes him super buff. And then do like the mummy, where it's like where like say like Ella Van Helsing played by Kieran Gillen, Doctor Who reunion there. Like it's like you woke up Dracula and you and you got magic vampires to deal with now. You gotta use your science and be a science hero like the man of bronze to fight them off and save the world. Huh. Mini film rescue for Morbius. Mini film rescue for Morbius. Yeah, and that's the only time we're ever discussing Morbius ever again. It's dead now. Um, Let's move on. Yeah, so 
to to sum up, Sam Raimi swinging a home run with a little bit of shakiness at the end. Uh, Webb webbed his way through it, and it, it is what it is. He gave us Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, which is a gift. So we'll take that and run. Uh, John Watts pulled us into the MCU, pulled everything together for us. And then we have a bunch of weird Sony spinoffs in the Venom and Morbius and and that. And that kind of sums up Spider-Man in film right now. What a fucking shit show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say if it weren't for Andrew Garfield's performance in No Way Home, I wouldn't be making this pitch because I just wanted to leave it alone. But, yeah. you know, he really did not get the... He didn't get a chance to really give a great all the way through the movie Spider-Man performance. Yeah. So so like people are saying that like there's like a small I don't know about small, but there is like a following of people who do appreciate these movies, which that's great. I'm happy for you. Totally. And at the very least, there again with fan edits, if you know where to look, there is one fan edit that basically uses as a basis of two and with flashbacks to one called it's like i think it's called the parker luck a spider-man story that's cool like some of the editing choices are a little sweaty but there's a lot of choices i would have made in it like having the alternate ending where his dad comes back be like a nightmare peter's having oh interesting yeah because it's like oh i'm so screwed up because my dad left me and did a bunch of science shit to me Yep. Yeah, makes that, sense. That makes that comes in in my pitch. Interesting. Yeah. So, so you are you're, so uh, as as if uh, we have greenlit a Sony verse Amazing Spider-Man three. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be the kind of jumping off point. Uh, you say you have options for if this falls before or after yeah, Homecoming. Yeah. Or, uh, no way home. Yeah. Yeah. I I am. Amazing Spider-Man one and two, they are canon. We got uh, they happened, and I'm basically like the punch of my pitch is okay. What if this did happen like five or so years later, and the movie is about like growing up and reflecting back on what a shitbag you were as a teenager. Oh, interesting. What a shitbag you were as a teenager, and how some mistake like you can try and fix mistakes you made but some things are broken irreparably. Do I sense that he might be rehabbing a villain somewhere in here? Kinda. Okay. <laughs> like, like I, like, if you've paid attention to the first two Amazing Spider-Man movies, some stuff may seem retconny, but I did my best to work with the wiggle room that those movies had and do my own thing. Well, and and part of the jumping in or off point is a magic spell, literally from Doctor Strange. So like, yeah. I, I'm I'm willing to make a little retconny, like, oh yeah, the like ripples of time, we, you, this affected things. I I can I can kind of hand wavy him Star Trek anything away if I you, need to. You break the sound barrier, you create a sonic boom. You t- you break the time barrier, you create a time boom. There, listen. I, 20 seconds you add that in post and it's perfect i love it uh, well let's take a, a quick break and when we come back well let's do the pitch yeah hello all you wonderful listeners of jaguar sharks podcast media uh, it's nick wolf here and i'm here to give you my plugs of what i've currently going on i've currently going on wow i just can't talk today 
Uh, so, like, as you may know, I'm a big proponent of pitches for big budget movies. I think it's a lot of fun. It's great creative exercise. Uh, so I've done a lot of those here. And I last week when we were recording, I've also done one for uh, another pass of certain POV media. Um, basically, if... Um, if Film Rescue Show is kind of like the Garbage Pail Kids, then Another Pass is very much the Cabbage Patch Kids. It's kind of a more, I guess, laid back is the way I put it. Like, there's not a whole lot of, like, ang- anger behind, like, corporate greed or in the like. Like, sometimes, like, on their episode for The Wizard of Oz, they'll talk about how the production was horrible and bad. Or, like, when one of my good friends, uh, Angela Bones Bullock of certain POV media, talked about the Popeye movie with Robin Williams with Case. Uh, That kind of broke Case on that. That was a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, But, yeah, I talked with them about the Power Rangers 2017 reboot. Like, uh, that was a fun episode. And uh, taught me to not read from an Excel sheet when giving pitches. Like, always use bullet points on a Word document, folks. And as for social media, I've got my Instagram, M-Y-C-K-N-I-C. I'm trying to be more active on there. And I've also got my Reddit account where I do more of this kind of pitching just for fun, nerdy shit going on. Uh, at M-Y-C-K-O-U-N-T. Uh, right now, by the time this episode comes out, I'll have posted why uh, crossover between JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and the original Yu-Gi-Oh! series uh, makes more sense than you might think. So that's a whole lot of fun. Uh, and with that, uh, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to the show. We're here with Nick and Jesse and myself, and we're talking about lots of Spider-Man stuff. Uh, Spider-Man! We, we've deleted Morbius for ethical reasons. <laughs> This was a... Yeah, uh, fuck Jared Leto. Fuck that guy. Assisted suicide on this one. Yeah, we need to just Mm -hmm. brush that away. Uh, Instead, um, we've gifted Nick with the keys to the kingdom. I'm curious if you've thought up a director that you'd want to bring in, because I'm... Don't tell me we're bringing back Mark Webb. Uh, I am. I don't know if Mark Webb would be okay with the ending I have here. Interesting. I I I don't know the guy personally, but I'm just... Uh, well, we probably need do. a shot in the arm here. Okay, yeah. So, so um, do do you have a, a like shot in the arm director in mind? Uh, fuck it, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> All right, Ryan Johnson, Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm ready for a little it, subversion. Um, you know, honestly, I'm okay with that because he's he's such a nice guy, and Spider Man's supposed to be that that way. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah, sure. It, it's funny. I could see Ryan Johnson as a Peter Parker type. Yeah, like, like <laughs> the pitch I have feels very subversive of the first two movies. I'll I, say that. I dig it. All right, that's cool. So, so we are. Uh, we'll, we'll run through the pitch, and mm-hmm. and you let us know where the point is that uh, di- will make a difference where it's set. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like, is this before he gets pulled over into No Way Home, or is this after? Um, I, I, I want to kind of leave it up to the audience as to what they think is the better version, but I we'll, we'll definitely give our opinions on it. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, it's your show, homie. All right, so credits. We start off with Harry Osborn in prison. He is really lamenting his decisions he's made. He's told by the guard that he's got a vision, uh, two visitors. Like uh, he goes up, and one of them is a man in black robe and a silver mask, and one is a lady in white. Like he recognizes the lady in white, cut to black, 
implied that he is murdered off screen. And we cut to Spider-Man. He's a lot more angry. Like he he's so angry. He's back in the suit from the Amazing Spider-Man one, where it looks like a basketball. Like I actually like <laughs> yeah, I like that suit because it it fits a more angry Peter Parker. It's like in the comics where he got rid of the symbiote, but he still has a black suit made out of cloth for yeah. when he's not screwing around. Right. So, like, he's not pulling his punches. Like, he's being very judicious when he faces off criminals. And he and he faces off the criminal of the week, which is uh, a vampire man with bloodsuckers on his hands Fuck hungering you. for plasma. No! <laughs> uh, that's the Morbius I like. <laughs> I, I'll take oh. it. <laughs> and Horrifying. One- uh, once that fight is over and the man is back to normal, like Peter later learns that the guy's name is Rodrigo Guevara. Yeah, Rodrigo Guevara. And if that name sounds familiar to you hardcore Amazing Spider-Man fans, uh, that is the name of the guy who Peter stole an Oscorp internship back in the Amazing Spider-Man 1. That's a funny reference. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. So it's more- that, is the, that is the deepest cut I think you could have possibly made. What an Easter egg. Yeah. I want to hammer home how bad a guy that Peter was in those first two movies. That's funny. It, it almost feels like a more solid payoff to what they were trying to do with Electro in 2. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. So then we cut to Peter ha- asleep and he's having dreams. Like I'm repurposing deleted scenes from the other movies as dreams. So cool. Peter's dad coming back into his life. Uh, Connor's mid monster man saying ready to play God from one of the first trailers. Um, nice. Earphone Khan telling Peter, hey, Peter, do you know who you are really? And then that wakes him up because like, again, he's dealing with the trauma of like Spider-Man is on top of dealing with the pain of having lost Gwen, he's started to view Spider-Man as a burden that mm. only that he's forced to do by his dad, basically. Gotcha. So because Peter is restless and he's in between jobs, he's staying with Aunt May, but he's, st- he's trying to put in effort. He's trying to help more around the house, like trying not to let his anger seethe in over like his loved ones that he still has. Yeah. And May is dating an officer named Joe Smith. Like, like another deep cut. Like the actor I'm getting would be the guy who helped Peter and Gwen magnetize Peter's webbing and the amazing Spider-Man two before they fight Electro. Oh, okay. Okay. Like it's it's going to be important later. Uh, no, I, I, the, you're going to have to remind me that that movie is just kind of a blur. The, the reason I'm I'm cool with running with this is because it feels like Sam Raimi's little like character callbacks when he would bring them from Spider-Man One into Spider-Man Two is like <laughs> people on the street. I, so like I I'm I'm viewing it that way. It's like okay, yeah, like we're getting references. This is how we get New York into the movie. You're like slowly sweeping New York back into the movie. Mm-hmm. I like it. And we cut to the news where, like, Peter and Joe are watching the news and they're talking about how it's been years since Harry Osborne was in charge of Oscorp and how after he left, Oscorp slowly dissolved. So Oscorp is gone. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And also they talk about how Harry Osborne was found dead in his prison cell having slime, black slime black and white slime all over him and they're investigating what caused that and then in other news 
like the state of New York has decreed that Dr. Curtis Connors uh, was not in control of his actions during the lizard stuff. And if we want to tie into the bigger uh, Sony verse, like we'll say that Ravencroft is shutting down and moving west to set up Venom 2. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why are you better at this than other <laughs> I don't I don't know. It's so easy to pull stuff through. So Dr. Connors is being released from the state. And so we cut to Connors trying to adjust himself, acclimate back to a regular life. But uh, he sees what looks like the gentleman on the street. You know, the gentleman from the end. Oh, of those yeah, that, that guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. The guy that was going to build the, the, uh, the, the Sinister, Sinister Six. Six. Yeah. So how, how desperate to make a main villain in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to think I'd do something with it. So mm-hmm. Connors is, try- is trying to hide from the gentleman, whereas while Peter is not seeing Connors being released, he instead goes to Gwen's, gra- Gwen's grave, which he does every year, and he sees Gwen's mom there. They have a little talk about everything that's happened between the second movie and now. And then after, as they're leaving the cemetery, like they see the lady in white from before. Ooh, and and she starts, and it's very clearly that she like she killed Harry, and the way she killed it is that she buffs up and turns into anti venom. Oh, for those who don't know, anti venom is basically what if venom but the colors inverted, so white monster with black like sort of veins mm-hmm. across the body. All right, so there's a fight. Uh, okay. <laughs> so a, a fight breaks out between Peter and Anti-Venom. And at one point after swatting Peter away, it looks like she's going to eat uh, Mrs. Stacy, but she just like like slimes her. <laughs> okay. Like <in> Ghostbusters. <laughs> and... Clearly, that did something because Mrs. Stacy is now in a haze, and now Anti Venom is leaving the scene while Peter chases her down. And Connor, Doctor Connors, cut back to him. Like he eventually makes his way to the Parker household and tries to take May hostage. And I just realized that when I'm setting up Peter, I forgot to mention that he's well, in addition to fighting his version of Morbius, he's also dealing with a new vigilante on the scene. Black Cat, Felicity Jones. Okay, From cool. the second movie. Okay. Oh, good addition. Mm-hmm. Good addition. Yeah. So Connors tries to take May hostage, but Black Cat is there. Like, her whole deal is that once um, Oscorp was dissolved, like, and she got her severance package, she did, like, a little research and basically stole the suit that Harry used to self-heal himself and slimmed it down. And retrofitted it into her black cat suit. Like That's she's got, cool. Yeah, she's got a v- device in her that turns her brown hair white, so that to make her uh, less recognizable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dope. Yeah. All right, and cool. her and her steez is that she robs the former Oscorp shareholders to line her pockets. That's okay. Cool. I love her already. Mm-hmm. I, the fan cams are are going off in my head. <laughs> <laughs> So eventually, our parties converge. There's a multi-way fight between um, the man, the black man, not whoa, the the man in the black robe. The, the what? What? <laughs> like the guy in the the guy. 
I'm got, Scryer. It's Scryer. The man in the black robes and the silver mask. I'm just going to call him Scryer. Okay. Like, she's... I thought it was he, the chameleon at first, yeah. so I'm, well, I was mm, I was rushing. Uh, put a pen in that. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Scryer and Anti-Venom team up, converge between Connors, Spider-Man, and Black Cat. Oh, and, team up battle. Yeah. All right. Hell so yeah. Let's get into it. There's a multi-way fight, and Connors is trying to get away. And eventually... To stop Peter in his track, like Anti Venom reveals its face to Peter, and it's the spitting image of Gwen Stacy. What the fuck? Yeah, and this causes Peter to freak the fuck out. Is like he's melting down in the fight, and what a nut punch in like the the first act of our film. I'm loving this. Yeah, and in the confusion, um, I believe. Uh, Joe Smith, who is a cop, like shoots Connors, and that drives Scryer and Anti Venom away, and that leaves Peter to pick up the bag with Connors. Is like, what's going on? That was Gwen. Was that Gwen? Tell me what's going on. And Connors' last words to Peter is like, uh, uh, Peter, if you want the answer you seek, you're gonna have to find Miles Warren. He was an- another colleague of your father. Because this movie, we can't have enough of your father coming into this. I swear this is going to pay off at the end. Okay. Okay. And okay. <laughs> Con- Connor's final words to Peter before he dies are, you're not your father, Peter. Okay. All right. Touching. Not what he wants to hear right now, I'm sure. But yeah. Uh... yeah. Peter is still breaking down. He doesn't know what to do. Like He wants to go ballistic uh, and let's leave. But Black Cat comes up to her. Uh, disengages her suit and she says hey we met before in Amazing Spider-Man 2 briefly (laughs) and I wanted you to know I'm on your side and you're hurting right now but I think like I've been looking into something from all these uh, Oscorp guys I robbed I think it's connected I want to help you out so that's our break into act 2 so uh, we go to we Felicia and Peter are tracking down their leads they're doing research like black cat is trying to get her hands on harry's um post-mortem his toxicology report mm. while peter is breaking into the cemetery and digging up gwen stacy's grave just to prove to himself <laughs> just to prove to himself that no this this can't be gwen i saw her die and so we grave like like all the be- listen, all the best superhero movies have a grave robbing scene. Like Zack Snyder's Justice League, grave robbing scene. <laughs> all right, yeah, oh. you could make that. Yeah, comparison. I was just thinking it. it was just yeah, flash. <laughs> Cyborg's just like you could dig this grave up in a nanosecond. Barry's just like nah. <laughs> or no, no, no. Flash is like no, I could dig this up in a nanosecond. Cyborg's like no. Yeah, we need to respect him. It's like, <laughs> damn, really? Yeah, Isn't like the end of the world on the way? Right. <laughs> and in a in a, in a in another superhero movie that has a grave robbing scene or grave digging scene is Batman Under the Red Hood, where uh, Bruce realizes that Jason Todd, Jason Todd's nut body is not in there. It was a doll in there, put by other people. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm doing here. Like Peter unearths Gwen's body. It looks completely fresh, no decay. And he realizes it's fake. It's synthetic. Like someone planted a fake Gwen in her coffin. Okay. 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 I, I follow. Gotcha. 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 Mm-hmm. So what? Uh, Peter and Felicia compare notes. 
and Felicia. Black Adam also opens with a grave robbing. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the most God. profitable movie of 2022. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. <laughs> All right. Sorry. That, back so to the pitch. So Peter and Felicia compare notes, and Felicia brings up an interesting point about how compared to uh, Harry's other toxicology reports throughout his life, it appears that the spider venom he injected it with himself at the end of uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, that was stripped from his body. Mm. So I was like, what's going on? And like Fel- Felicia's like, like even, all right, so it looks like Gwen is alive, but like she tried to eat you or kill you. Like, like are you sure you want to go down this road? Like, I don't think we can save her. Mm-hmm. So now they're butting heads and it's like, look, like, please, I, I got to figure this stuff out with my dad. I'm going to go to Empire State University to find this Miles Warren guy. You hang around the police station where Joe Smith has said, we're going to keep the rest of the Stacy family and, like, keep them safe. Because, okay. like, this is a joke made on Twitter, I, I think, years ago. But I think there was a joke that in the third amazing spider-man movie like this time one of gwen's brothers will die (laughs) (laughs) so i'm rolling with that yeah yeah they just keep killing off the family that's funny (laughs) so peter finds miles warren who i'm just casting as christopher Plummer because every good movie needs a good christopher Plummer in it perfect and tell and Plummer tells peter more about his father like we get one of those scenes where Peter, where Richard Parker and another scientist are talking science to the camera and like hang a lampshade on that. It's like, you know, your father was very uncreative or egotistical. He always loved shooting himself with other scientists to make himself look cooler. Because <laughs> that's what happened with Connors and Norman Osborn in the other movies. Yeah, yeah. He talks to him about how he was opposed to human trials, but he did like controversial research into cloning. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, all right. Now I see why his dad might be involved. Okay, I yeah. can see it paying off. Oh, are you going into the clone saga? We're going into the clone saga. All right, everybody, oh strap God. in. When I hear Ben Riley, I'm going to walk out of the door. The episode is over if I hear those words. You won't hear exactly those words. Okay. So for anybody out there that wants to delve into some uh, bullshit Spider-Man history, there was a whole thing called the Clone Saga where. Uh, yeah, you want to go into that a little bit, so yeah. So, uh, so in the, in the Clone Saga, um, what had happened was Obi Wan found out that they were making an army. I'm sorry, I could not resist. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Um, God damn it! So, so. Oh God. In I'm the, okay. I'm okay. In the Clone Saga, um, it is revealed that Peter Parker has been cloned. I think at least twice by the end of that saga. Um, and his clone's name is Ben Riley, and Ben Riley also has Spider-Man powers. And uh, fuck, uh, I can't even remember how they got into that mess. I think it was who who was the Did one I cloning wanna... him. I could go into it, Did... but we would be here till sundown. That's right. Yeah, it's so it's <laughs> so convoluted. They wanted to kill off Spider-Man or something like that. They wanted have somebody else take over. They wanted a Spider-Man who was not tied down with a marriage to Mary Jane Watson, so they brought back the Peter Parker clone from the 70s to take his place in the 90s. Wow. 
So in the death of Superman, four other Supermen show up. Um, in the Clone so Saga. <laughs> <laughs> the Clone Saga is literally just the death and return of Superman. It's literally the same fucking story. Well, and all, it's the same shit. Well, and like all this is just spinoffs from Dune. Dune's all about yeah, clones. Actually, Dune, yeah. Dune's all about clones. It is all about moving clones forward yeah, through time. Yeah, you're right. Fuck, fuck, you're it's, right. It's a great yeah, sci-fi right. trope. And again, like we were just talking about this on the DC episode. Uh, the the big MCU issue is that they're action comedies and then they slap a little genre to fill in the cracks. And this stuff can be sci-fi. You can have these really powerful heroes still be up against things that are difficult for them because it's a science fiction story. Um, and that usually ends up making the best kinds of these stories at the end of the day, with the exceptions of like Batman, who's meant to be more grounded. And you know, there's there's always like yeah. and then arguments. I get it, but um, yeah. Superman's the most in, interesting in the, when he's pit against something out of this world. Yeah, and in the real world, we have cloned things. It's not very difficult to do. Actually, right. it's actually quite it's actually quite easy. Although all of the religious groups got it up in arms about like you're violating God's will. It's like we've been doing it for like 20 years, 30 years at this point. Yeah. that There that, hasn't been a flood to destroy the planet yet. So I think we're doing okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's actually why Oscorp did not take on cloning things because their shareholders are all God fearing people and would yeah. not have it. That makes sense. Oh, of course. They'd rather let the whole thing go bankrupt than actually stand behind it as an interesting right. scientific endeavor. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. All right. So, so, so we're doing a little pastiche to the clone saga. Yeah, take, so, take it away. So, yeah. So Peter and Warren realize that Scryer is on their tail. And it's like, is you Scryer a clone? <laughs> Sorry. We'll get to it. So, Scry so they know Scryer is there. And Peter's like, oh, sir, you got to get out of here. And it's like, I think not, dear boy. Connors was not the only person who was involved in cross-species genetics. He injects himself with a serum and becomes the jackal, which is basically Green Beast from the X-Men. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so there's a fight. There's a two-way fight between Peter, Jackal, and Scryer, but they can't land a hit on Scryer. He's just too fast. It's not that he's too fast. It's like he knows what they're going to do before they do it. Mm. And eventually he kills the Jackal and is like, but before dying, Jackal gives Peter a clue as to unravel the mystery more. And while that's going on, sure enough, Gwenum, as I'll call her now, okay, <laughs> uh, attacks the... Isn't that a thing in the comics? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, okay. Uh, Gwenham attacks the New York pre precinct, and Black Cat uh, is avail is able to prevent her from hitting her children with the not children hitting her brothers with her venom slime with some sonic devices. She has some sonic weapons. Nice. And eventually, Peter and Felicia meet up, and they realize that the attack on the police was staged because Joe Smith's like. Hey, I'm gonna. We're gonna move the uh, Stacy family here, keep them safe. But he wasn't there. And, like they realize that. Hey, maybe Joe Smith is in on it. And like Peter tries to call May, and May picks up the phone and is like, "Hey, where was Smith here?" Blah 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 blah. And she's on the same wavelength because she was having movie night with him on a very precarious night. And so we get we. Lift a scene wholesale from the comics where um, 
Aunt May realizes something's wrong and gives uh, gives Joe his favorite almond milk, but it's like it's not almond, it's uh, arsenic. <laughs> and <laughs> and as as Joe is losing consciousness, he morphs into different people, like the gentleman, or as I'm going with here, the chameleon. Ah, yeah. nice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the link, but I did uh, print it, print out the panel, and like it's got Aunt May knitting a sweater, and as the fake uh, <gasps> chameleon passes out, she reveals on the sweater it reads "Gotcha." It's like it's like a diehard <laughs> moment with Aunt May poisoning somebody. I love it. Yeah, right. give Aunt May something to do. Yes. <laughs> so hey, they were trying to do that with that Aunt May spy movie thing. <laughs> Wasn't that supposed to be like a spy movie Did, that they, they were going to do with Sally Field as as Aunt May? They, they saw Agent Carter got greenlit and they were like, what can we do? <laughs> what can we do? Again, desperate to make a franchise around one brand. Damn. So pe- Every character gets a movie. <laughs> you get a movie. And you get a movie. And you get a movie. Love it. Oh my god. So Peter uh, and Felicia meet up with Aunt May and they realize that Joe Smith was actually the gentleman from the other two movies, and also for the purpose of this movie, the chameleon. Nice. And we get a big, uh, here's our uh, midpoint twist. Uh, the gentleman was never a member of Oscorp. He was trying to take it down. Like That's why he told Harry, it's like, hey, uh, Spider-Man's gone. Now would be a good time to unleash the rhino in the streets of New York. It would be a good idea. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. Oh, so you're setting this back just before the end of uh, <laughs> of end of Spider-Man 2? Amazing Spider-Man 2? Uh, he, yeah, he's retconning in why Rhino's in it in the first place. Yeah. Didn't they do that in the third Jason Bourne movie where the, the first half of Ultimatum is actually taking place around... Like oh yeah, between the end yeah. Cre- the end scene of supremacy. It's like they fill it in. It, it's like the two movies overlap. Uh, if I remember correctly, it's because they switched the POV character in Ultimatum to show Langley's um, POV for like what they were seeing Bourne doing to fill time for that last one. Because he's not in that last movie a lot. If you rewatch, he's he's not a huge yeah, character. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> Matt Damon was like, I will show up for like three weeks and I'm going to get the fuck out of here. I mean, yeah, a major corporation unleashing a, mon- a rhino machine into the streets of New York. I love it. It's a bad business. Yeah. So I got I got to figure out what's the point of making this move. Right. So this is what I'm working with here. Yeah. yeah. Reminds me a bit of uh, RoboCop 2 when Kane breaks out onto the streets and then uh, the the old man that runs the company is like, this could be bad for business. <laughs> Put on our best spin team. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you can spin this. You just murdered all these people. Okay, we can spin Honestly, this. Honestly, Ryan Johnson doing a like, Verhoeven version of Spider-Man sounds on... Wasn't Verhoeven like going to do Spider-Man for a second before Cameron? Because it was like Fincher, Ooh. Cameron, and Verhoeven were up uh, for it at different let points. Let me confirm that real quick. I forget. Yeah. I I, I want to say that sound. He, he might have just got thrown in that group. I could be totally off, but I would love to see Ryan Johnson doing Verhoeven doing Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm not fully committed to this idea, but I also want to toy with the idea that Chameleon was also the teacher at the end of the Amazing Spider Man one, where she was talking about. Like, there are so many stories in the world. And it's like, oh, Mr. Parker, you want to make promises you don't have to keep. 
And Peter's like, oh, but those are the best kind. I want Chameleon to throw that back in Peter's face. That would be such a deep cut. Oh, my yeah. fucking God. <laughs> and then P- makes Peter lose it. So, like, pol- we can't move Aunt May to the police. So we're going to put her in uh, Felicia's armored penitentiary, uh, pen- penthouse street. Nice. Penthouse suite. And we have a heart to heart with Aunt May and Peter about what he's doing and why people need Spider-Man and how she's like, I always knew you were Spider-Man from the end of the first movie. And Peter's like, even when I was clearly hiding my suit from you in the second movie. And she's like, you're a terrible liar, sweetie. (laughs) (laughs) You can't hide anything from me. That's funny. I like that. Right, so so I just looked. I just looked up uh, Paul Verhoeven's superhero movie. He outright hates. Them. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I don't. Th- I think. I, I that, don't think that he uh, has ever made any attempt to. Closely, he's gotten to that as RoboCop. Nice. Mm. Yeah. I. I that, so, that's yeah, why I, I was. I wasn't sure if it was a rumor or not. I know Fincher because uh, he was going to do a music video to open it, uh, <laughs> and then James Cameron definitely was the the last one before Raimi. Um, anyways, back to the yeah, pitch. He, he he says that he's not interested in superheroes. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. All right, so we're in the second half of Act Two. Like now, their leads have officially run dry, but Peter's like, "Ah, I know one place left that we haven't touched: my dad's super secret underground train station basement." That's right. Okay. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if, yeah if it's yeah. gonna have a reason to be there, I might forgive it. <laughs> yeah. So they get there, but it turns out Scryer and Gwenum are already there because like we knew you would come here and Scryer takes off his black robes and his silver mask and it reveals a second Spider-Man outfit. Oh no. <laughs> is this is this Ben Riley? Um I'll get to it. <sighs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Listen, it, if we can get the Clone Saga over and done in one movie, I'm willing to foresee it. Like, I'm willing to see it through. Yep, we're doing it. In, we're done in one. We're done okay, in one. All right, all right. We're done in one. I, oh, thank I'm God. I'm strapping yes. in then. I, I will do a clone for one movie. It's Andrew Garfield. If, if he's playing both of them, that sounds fun, at least, you know? All right, so Gwenum and I'm going to call him the Superior Spider-Man. Oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> are too much for Peter to handle, and he gets knocked out. At one point, it looks like Gwenum is is going to kill Felicia, but instead, like, the, she gets the venom ooze on her, and that makes uh, Gwenum rea- uh, halt her for a bit. And using a combination of sonic weapons and flashbangs, Felicia escapes. Nice. And so when we wa- when Peter wakes up, uh, Peter, he's been stripped of his clothes and he's in an undisclosed Russian, in, in parentheses, location. And Spears Spider-Man takes him off his mask. He's a younger looking Andrew Garfield. And he's like, "I'm a, wow, it's amazed how much detail they were able to get right with you. And then he just freaks out and beats Peter to death. And then we cut to another room. And our Peter... Wait, does he literally beat him to yes, death? Yes, he beats him to death, and we, cut to, and we cut to another room where actual Peter Parker, still in his suit, has watched the whole thing happen. And he's like, oh my god, what is going on? Oh, what? <laughs> so he's as confused by this shit as we are. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. so now that's the audience POV then. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 
you're just as confused by this as we are. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then and then a man walks in. Is like I I wanted to meet with you for so long, Peter. And then the big twist of the movie: Richard Parker is alive, and he has orchestrated the whole clone business. And Ben Jr. is his son that he cloned from early cells of Peter because of how much Oscorp took from him. Ugh. <laughs> okay. I mean, I get it. Reminds yeah. me of that 2000. Reminds me of that 2003 Hulk movie. A little bit, yeah. yeah. But like, I, I, I'm also seeing this through. Like, he had a son that's technically like a god now with his spider powers, and then seeing his ability to create that must have made him feel godlike. And if he's already, you know, running from the government and seeing conspiracies, mm-hmm. like I, I can totally see a version of this where it's like, oh yeah, my dad turned out to be a crazy scientist. Yeah, because watching Spider-Man Two, a th- The rhetorical question of what kind of person has a super secret subway train? And the answer is a supervillain. That's right. That's who. (laughs) So So he has to fight his father now. So So, so you're you're saying the hero son has to fight his evil father that was involved in a clone saga? Mm. Sounds like Star Wars again (laughs) is all I'm saying. God damn it. So basically Richard Parker learned cloning from from Miles Warren and he did off the book cloning he did off the book cloning experience because Oscorp wouldn't let him cuz Oscorp sucks and like after the plane crash and his wife died he used what he knew to clone a son and give him augmented spider powers so the reason like uh superior spider-man was able to move around that's just a, that's just a supercharged spider sense ah yeah and after around the Amazing Spider-Man 2, he met with the Russians, so Chameleon, and Chameleon infiltrates Oscorp, and he uses one of their other projects, which is basically Venom. But if we're tying this into the greater Sony-verse... Totally like, works, we'll yeah. Just, we'll just say that it was on loan from the Life Foundation totally. from Venom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Easy tie-in. Mm-hmm. And so... Like, basically, Oscorp wanted to control the superhero narrative because Spider-Man was out of the picture, and they wanted to win public trust, but then Spider-Man came back, and then Gentleman and Rich were like, oh, no, just, just blow this up, and they blew it up. Oh, so oh, I guess, and then Richard would have been responsible for, like, the synthetic Gwen in the coffin, and... yeah. Damn. All right. I, I'm kind of digging this mystery that we're pulling out of it. It yeah. feels like a little Ryan Johnson thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Richard and Chameleon like were able to like Peter didn't stay with Gwen the whole time. He had to evade the police. But Chameleon and his police guys was able to preserve her brain functions and keep her alive and then put that clone in the coffin. And like they tested the symbiote on her. But she had no personality, no memory. So what she's been doing throughout this movie is like she's been coming up against members of her family to read their memories to try uh, and restore her own. Uh-huh. And now this reminds me a bit of uh, WandaVision. What was it? The Ship of Theseus? Yeah. yeah. And here's the twist where whether this takes place before or after No Way Home. Okay. All right. Because... If, if this is taking before No Way Home, then nothing needs to be changed. If it's after, then I'd add an extra bit of ADR dialogue about how once she woke up, 
Gwen broke out, but then No Way Home happened. And it's like, all people who know Spider-Man are brought here. And then we're putting push them back. And that made her curious enough to rejoin with Richard. Hmm. So now that Richard has succeeded in destroying Oscorp, he now wants to use the power of cloning to uh, bring back, to retake the life, retake his life, his son's life, and all the people in his son's life that Oscorp hurt. And he demonstrates this by by uh, unveiling a so-called perfect clone of Harry Osborn, who doesn't have any trauma with him, uh, a version of George Stacy, like Dennis Leary, bring him back, as like Gwen can have her dad back too. And also, in another deep cut for the Amazing Spider-Man movies, uh, Richard also has Norman Osborn's severed head alive to torture around because Jesus Christ, he's <laughs> for <fucked> God's <laughs> sake. <laughs> I'm deep in the. When did this with become this Reanimator? What Listen, the hell? I, I was. I just watched the uh, Mask of Zorro recently. That it had some dark shit in that PG-13 movie. I I don't know. I can see it. I can kind of see it. Yeah. Now Do you remember you, that now, severed head in hand in that movie? I've not seen the Mask of Zorro. Oh, I need to see it, bro. That it's like it's like how did he make that and Green Lantern? Because <laughs> yeah. Mask of Zorro is so good, and yeah. then Green Lantern's dog shit yeah but yeah uh now you see what where yeah. ben jr gets his psychopathic tendencies from his dad that's that's a one other thing i wanted to hammer i i really wanted to stick it to the magic blood from sideband 2 and yeah. be like like this like ben jr ben parker jr here this is what a spider-man raised solely by richard parker looks like yeah and the reason why our richard our peter parker isn't that as bad is because he had uncle ben aunt may and his other connections with him interesting right so shitty parenting yeah (laughs) Uh, peter's like like this doesn't make any sense uncle ben said you were a good man and that if you had the ability to do if you had the ability to do good you had the responsibility to do good i can't say do good do good do good And Richard's like, this is the most good. I am curing death. I am curing heartbreak. <laughs> Damn. All right. No, yeah, I see that point. Um, fucked up, but I see the point. Yeah. Mm-mm. And it's like, oh, all right, you're doing the most good, Dad. Where's Mom? Why isn't Mom here with us? Why didn't you bring her back, huh? And Richard's like, ah, I'm done with you for now. And Peter's locked up again. And while all this has been going on, uh, Felicia put a little cat tracker on Peter. Of course she did. Of course. And she's like pulling the information that Richard's telling Peter this through computers. Mm -hmm. So she's learning the same thing at the same time. And she gets intercepted by Gwen. But, and Felicia like tries fighting her way out and then tries talking her way out. And then eventually because the venom got on Felicia, like Gwen was able to see Felicia's memories of Peter, which sparked her own memories of Peter. And she's just like, okay, I admit I am a little bit curious. And I admit that this dad, this dad that I've been helping gather memories to rebuild his personality, like I admit 
he's not the same as I don't think he's the same as what I once had. Mm. So I'm going to go with you on this. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so Gwen is able to sneak into Peter's vault and she's like, I'm in a predicament. I want to know more about you. But at the same time, my my intuition tells me I hate you. I hate you for so much crap you pulled on me in my life. Oh, shit. And Peter's like, yeah, I I was a shitty teenager and a shitty young adult. And yeah, I I fucked you over. Like I caused you so much harm. And like I don't blame you. Like but I don't want you to do anything for me anymore. Like think about your family. What would your family want? What would your dad want? What do you want? And is what you want what my father wants? Mm. So this convinces Gwen to share the Venom symbiote with Peter. Oh, Gain, like, oh. like, reconnect her memories, and we get a montage of all the tender moments from the past two movies, and this helps reawaken Gwen's personality. The power of love. Mm-hmm. Basically. So Gwen is like, okay, you, me, and the cat, we're going to take down this facility and destroy all your dad's research. Mm-hmm. So we get into the climax and we get into a big fight between Peter, Felicia, Ben Jr. and Richard, who has taken control of the anti-venom symbiote, leaving Gwen seemingly powerless. But then uh, Gwen starts showing off spider powers. Oh, nice. Because, because when using the symbiote to remove the spider venom from Harry because Richard's trying to get back everything that Oscorp took from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The symbiote ate away at the genetic lock of the spider venom, like saying like only Richard Parker's uh, Uh, people can be spider people. Its nature is to connect with something and so it found the way to connect into that DNA. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. I didn't even think of that. That's brilliant. So now Gwen has spider powers and she steals herself some web fluid and she's joined the fight. And because she had the symbiote on her for so long, uh, Ben Jr. can't predict her with her spider sense. Uh, So it's more of an even fight. Yeah, yeah. Well, and doesn't, in the comics, Venom is immune to the spider sense. Like he he works around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. But because the spider powers lack the Parker genetic lock right like he can't read it right so eventually oh yeah and also we get clone captain stacy like giving his life for his daughter again because <laughs> we kind of had to that guy just he just can't catch a break listen i'm i'm okay with killing a cop twice wait did i say that <laughs> 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 it's for good reasons he died for good reasons so the facility is down in flames and Richard Parker dies in the fire. But Ben Jr. breaks out. He's like, hey, this is not over. I'm going to keep coming for you. And Gwen takes his mouth and forces web fluid down his throat. 
Are you killing Ben Riley? I'm killing Ben Riley. Thank God. I, I feel bad for not believing in in this. So not only not have that, not that I hate Ben Riley, I kind of like him. But Gwen is feeling so many complicated feelings to Peter. Like she, it's perfect. Like she kind of loves him. But she also wants to see him die for all the. She's cra- literally happy killing the shitty version of him. Like, yeah, it's 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 so it's so and and for for the audience who's not into comics, what Nick has done is not only explain the symbiote having Spider Man connected powers without any like symbiote backstory knitted into any of these movies, and summed up and capped off the Clone Saga in one movie while also paying off to like kind of mediocre films i just i'm kind of blown away that it functions like it's it looks like a frankenstein machine and then i'm looking at it going like i can't put a it, it's it's a cool yeah. mystery it it pays things off mm-hmm. we, we've capped the the clone shits over they've destroyed the facility and and we've got a dead ben riley and just that's so subversive to the yeah. clone saga it's a clone saga subversion i i worship I, I'm I'm digging this. I told you I told uh, you this last night. This is probably my favorite pitch I've ever done for one of these. Th- yeah, I should have believed from the get go. Everything you did, you paid off to like subvert late because I was like, "Come on, I know what this is. This is not." I, it's so cool. All right, please finish. I'm sorry. All right, so we get into the resolution where everyone is back home. Like they throw a little get together. It's like, oh, we can finally decompress. But Gwen is still sad because even if with Felicia's connections, she can like forge a new identity and live life, she can't really be Gwen Stacy anymore. Her family like, has lived with her being dead for so long. Like, mm. what's that going to do them? It'd be too much for them. And she obviously can't be with Peter anymore. What is she going to do? And then Peter says like, you know, I think you should pick up where you left off, and that was going to England, finding yourself. Mm. Like, obviously, they still care about each other, but there's just... But it's like a mature separation yeah, this time. There's just, yeah, there's just way too much baggage yeah. for them to realistically be together again. So while they wait for that paperwork to file and for Gwen to lead Peter's life forever... Like, Peter says, hey, there's something I've always wanted to do. And so we cut to Peter on the rooftop. He's waiting for Gwen. And then Gwen comes out in the ghost spider outfit. Nice. Yeah. And she's like, and ah. yeah. And Peter's like, wow, that's that's really good. And he's like, well, it's like you said, I never caught Jack the Ripper in England. I might catch him this time. That's another callback to Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. I've watched these movies too many times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor, poor man. <laughs> Somebody give this man a medal. (laughs) So Spider-Man and Ghost Spider swing around New York for the first and last time. And we get a montage set to... uh, I've actually got a few music choices. Like, Seth, I don't know if you remember, but I was looking for a song. It's like, what song says, hey, I'm glad you're actually alive and all, but there's too much baggage between us and we can't really be together but we'll always care about each other. I think I was having a real hard time finding the right music for that. I actually remembered that, oh, wait, there's actually a, a few music choices that I could go with. Okay. So there is Let It Go by James Bay, If the World Was Ending by J.P. Saxe and Julia Michaels, Say Something by A Great Big World and Christina Aguilera, 
Wake Me Up When September Ends by Green Day, Shadows and Regrets by Yellow Card, Oh How We Drift Away by Tim Heidecker and Way's Blood. Like the music, but the song I ultimately wound up going through was Last Train Home, Last Train Home by the Pat Metheny Group, which if you're an anime fan, you will recognize as the closing song for season two of Stardust Crusaders. I don't know that reference, but okay. I'm, I'm, Same. I'm glad I it pays know. off for somebody. Like, this is for the anime fans, like I said. Like, I would have is... picked the yellow card one just because it's so uh, closely related to the like skateboardy kind of theme they wanted out yeah. of uh, him in the first like, movie. Like, listener, what is your song that you would go with out of all these picks? Uh, yeah, so, that's a good that's a good question. Yeah. Turn out. So as the montage ends, Gwen is on the plane. And she is like happy, but sad, but relieved, but regretful. And we cut to Peter like on the street, like near a fire. He's got his dad's briefcase that we've seen in all three movies. And he tears it up and throws it in the fire, like putting that chapter of his life behind. And another chapter of his life, he takes out all the photos he has of him and Gwen. And he throws those into the fire too. Wow. And we end with, Spider-Man and Black Cat teaming up to like meeting up with each other again and it's like hey if you're going to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man you might need someone with your image now don't think of this as me being your rebound girl but I want to help you out here <laughs> like cuz I know you need a friend and it ends and so the amazing Spider-Man trilogy ends not with ends not with a relationship but a friendship and if this really plays well, I guess we can have a post credit scene where we cut to the Craven off manor. <laughs> nope, never mind. <laughs> never mind. You've lost the budget. <laughs> no, no, take it out. Nope, nope, that's a no. Don't, please don't tease amazing. No, let's just let's just t- take another clip from an X Man movie and just <laughs> just just as a reference, just as a joke. <laughs> uh, sure, why not? Damn. Um, all right. If I have to have the Clone Saga. That is how I want it. Give me one good sharp hook of it and then cap it up. Ben Riley dying with the web fluid down the throat is so dark. It's dark. But it would be satisfying for everybody that hates that story. Uh, the misdirect Spider-Man death. That's dark. Mm-hmm. But that, uh, dude, I could turn that into so many good gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love it. No, it's it's a great pitch. Um, I that that's where I want to end the show. I want to end the show on on that great pitch. I, I Jesse, thoughts? Anything missing from something like that? How do you how do you feel on a trilogy ending th- that much better than the first two movies? Uh, it it cleans up all the bullshit from the second movie. It's way more cohesive than Amazing mm-hmm. Spider-Man Two, which is just a jumble of scenes. Yeah, between between this and uh, my Transformers Three pitch, I'd be like. Like, let's keep what we got, but I'm going to do a lot of groundwork to make this more recognizable into something fans would appreciate more. Yeah, it it, it feels yeah. like a good uh, good uh, olive branch extended to the fans of the Amazing Spider-Man movies. We I spent the last, you know, hour and a half dumping on them a little bit. I do enjoy scenes from them. I, I can't say I yeah. hated every experience. They're just, yeah, they I, don't really show up as, like, uh, films. Yeah. And this yeah. this feels like a film. It feels like it's got a mystery from begin, beginning to mm-hmm. end. Yeah, like, the, the Amazing Spider-Man movies were, like, the first time where uh, that ever made me like 
red letter media plinket level angry oh like, yeah i hate i yeah. hate these movies i just want to <laughs> but i guess as i'm getting older it's like i don't want to maintain that anger anymore like sure there's yeah. so much shit in the world like i don't want to get angry over a movie it's a yeah. movie yeah and and like it, it it gave us cool little bits like i i think about the him skateboarding with his spider powers what a, what a fun <laughs> way to like exercise a spider-man scene i i like in your pitch it ending with them going for a, just a swing through the city for fun because we were just talking about flying needs to be fun in movies again mm. people are way too nonchalant about the fact that they can literally move three-dimensionally uh so i love that there's just a scene for a fun swing um that is a very spider-man thing to do yeah it's very important that the final swing be something heartfelt but bittersweet yeah like all good spider-man swings should be honestly the the post-credit scene should be a portal to enter the spider-verse 2 opening <laughs> for him to walk into that's yeah. what it's he, he walks yeah, through and then andrew yeah. garfield's animated dude and and, and toby's nah. like oh hey what up yes that's it oh dude a, a second <laughs> adventure hell they, they they like dab each other up real quick that'd be awesome there's a good post-credit scene <laughs> Speaking of making flying fun, there's a a comic book called Astro City. It's still going on to this day. Uh, there's a story. I can't remember which volume it was. There's a character that's kind of like a guardian of this city, and he's kind of like a Superman-type character. He's on duty 23 hours and 59 minutes per day. He doesn't really need Jesus. to sleep. And so he, he gets one minute off. And so when he has his one minute of free time, he just flies. Just... In no, in no real random, just any random direction, just flies for one minute straight and just kind of closes his eyes and enjoys the flight. And then he goes back wow. to Wow. He doesn't get a chance to enjoy it, so he just kind of enjoys just kind of flying a little bit. I love that. That's what it needs to yeah. feel like. Yeah. 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 Go read Astro City. It's really good. That's cool. Well, Nick, thank you for uh, jumping back on the show and, and pitching this uh, a deletion for Morbius. Man, we, we really packed a lot into this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what can I say? When Craven comes out, I'll be back here for it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and also maybe give a brief, I'll give you my Sinister Six pitch right now. Craven's the villain. He's gathered up all the animal themed Spider-Man villains and maybe even a spider person himself. And like he hunts them down to see who is the cream of the crop, who will survive, who are the Sinister Six. Like okay. most dangerous game it. Okay. All right. On his island. Yeah. That right. that sounds like a uh, like suicide squatty James Gunny kind of mm. Yeah, no, I I functionally can see that. Fuck, actually. Yeah. I also, doubt if the Craven movies like that. Yeah. Also, everyone, oh, I highly also, doubt everyone it. go watch Nano V movies. <clears throat> uh Sony's Sinister Six could actually be good video. Yeah, it could be good. I would watch that. I would watch a Yeah. Yeah, like, this 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 is the beauty of the Sony Spider Verse. Like like with the MCU and the DCEU, it really could go either way. But with the Sony Spider Verse, you start at the bottom, <laughs> and either you're gonna stay at the bottom <laughs> or you're gonna find moments of brilliance. You can't trip further down, they said until Morbius came out. 
Just uh, listen to what MJ says in No Way Home. Expect disappointment. That way you'll never be disappointed. <laughs> That's exactly where we're going to end this. Nick, Jesse, thank you both for being here. Uh, this has been our potential idea for what an amazing Spider-Man 3 film could be by Nick yeah. Wolf. Well, hasn't there been talk of actually doing Hey, if they do this, I'm on board. <laughs> Give us a little credit. Oh, Jesse, you and I could be podcast hosts in the in the show and we could talk shit on Spider-Man. <laughs> like a J. Jonah Jameson yeah, yeah, yeah. G- g- give us roles Nick obviously is going to be the onset writer so like he's got a job in the in the, in the the can but yeah let us be podcast hosts cool. in the movie yeah you look like uh, Spider-Man PS4 where you listen to I think the first iteration of Alex Jones Jameson yeah yeah that's another reason why on the desert island I would pick the first Venom movie because with how insane uh, Eddie gets once he gets this Venom symbiote, it turns into Alex Jones versus Elon Musk. It's... (laughs) 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 And on that note, good night. (laughs) Good night. Good night.